This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selke, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, where we are in season four entitled Be Mentally Tough. And today we have a special honor uh, for this episode to welcome to the show Dr. Rick McGuire, my dear friend, mentor, and colleague. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Selking. This is fun. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. And more than anything, I'm just thrilled that everybody else and now all of our listeners are going to get the opportunity here directly from a man who has greatly shaped and molded how I, I think and function as a professional here in the field of sports psychology. So Coach, which is what we call him, has uh, was the head track and field coach at Mizzou for 27 years, started the sports psychology program for USA Track and Field, where he served on several Olympic committees um, or several Olympics as the sports psych consultant to athletes over there. Um, And then he was the professor and director of sports psych at Mizzou for 35 years as well. So he's been around forever, um, and he has shaped and molded the minds of generations of sports psych professionals. And just a huge influence in my life, again, personally and professionally. So let's dive in because we're we're not going to take too much of your time. We're going to be here about 30 minutes. But again, just want to give you an opportunity for everybody to learn and listen to another creator of the model that we've been working through. So in the McGuire Ivy sulking model of mental toughness this is the man the myth and the legend dr rick mcguire so so coach kick us off so we just finished talking about the tier of focus so talk to us about how how that that model of a focus as a complex skill really came about uh well so so i don't think like a psychologist i don't think like a professional in psychology uh, people say to me, well, then what do you think like? And I say, I think like a coach. Um, the only reason I studied sports psychology was to learn more so that I could be a better coach, uh, uh, coaching the, the, the athletes, the team, the people that I coach. Um, so I think like a coach. and and But I think like a track coach, some would say, or at one time in my life I was a basketball coach, Um and but I realized that all coaches didn't coach track or all coaches didn't coach basketball. I I have to realize that when I'm my job isn't to teach coaches psychology. My job is to know the psychology that would help coaches and athletes prepare better so they could perform better, achieve more, be prouder, happier, more fulfilled, and motivated to want to go do more. That's my job to take the right concepts and principles from psychology that would help coaches and athletes and to translate that from the language of psychology into the language of coaches and of sport and articulate it in a way that coaches could receive it and then implement it, use it, and have their teams and athletes perform better because of this knowledge and understanding. So I had to think, what is it that uh, – 
track coach would want or a football coach would want or a baseball coach would want. What is it that every coach should want and would need and could help them and their team be better? And I, I thought, boy, that's a hard one. And then I realized quickly that isn't hard at all because I know what every single coach wants. Every coach, every coach of every sport wants what I want because I want my athletes to show up every day on game day. We don't track, we don't call it game, we don't play track, but, but on game day, competition day, I want my athletes to show up totally focused, totally intending to deliver their very best. Totally focused, totally intending to deliver their very best. More than that, I want them to show up at practice every day, totally focused, totally intending to have a great practice so that practice works. And if practice works, they get better. And if they are focused in practice every day, day after day, when they get to competition day, they not only will be better, have a better game to deliver, but they'll have practice focusing and they'll know how to focus and deliver on that intention to deliver their very best. And focus is just a skill. Focus isn't an attitude. It's not an idea. It's a skill. And, the, and coaches teach skills. So we, I realized that, 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 that here was a common topic, a common need, a common understanding that would let me connect with coaches of any sport, give them something that they would readily recognize, understand, could use and implement, and ask for more. So this, this idea of focus is a skill. Um, most coaches recognize they want their athletes to focus. And then to get them to focus, they say, you got to focus. <laughs> and, and they just yell it. And sometimes they use some pretty salty language in emphasizing uh, with, with uh, some pretty strong adjectives about they need to, you need to focus. Okay. But everything else we do in sport, we teach the skill of how to do it. We just yell, you got to focus. Well, it's more than just yelling. Focus is real. It's a skill. It's actually a complex skill. That doesn't mean that it's hard. It just means it has several parts that you have to coordinate together. Uh, but they really are five pretty simple parts. Uh, and I believe that, that probably, uh, Dr. Selking, you've probably already shared this at some place in, in your podcast. Yeah, but, but those, we love hearing it from you. So what are the five? <laughs> well, so, 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 so first, uh, we, we need to understand that, that, that distraction is the enemy. Opponent's not the enemy. Distraction's the enemy. So we've got to beat distraction. Uh, distraction doesn't, uh, focus doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. Um, there are five skills. They're really pretty simple. Uh, the first is to be in the present. Performance happens in the present. This isn't time to worry about the last play or the, the earlier practice in the week where everything went wrong. It's not time to be worried about that. This isn't time to worry about the end of the game. Are we going to win? 
Are we going to make the playoffs? Are we going to win the championship? Are we going to get to go to the championship round? This isn't time to be in the past or in the future. It's time to be in the present. You only think one thought at a time. So if I were to ask the question, where are you? And you were to say right here, right now, where would you be? Past, present, or future? Well, right here, right now, would say you're right here, right now. You're right here in the present. Now, good, stay there. That sounds cute, but it's simple. You got to be in the present. To perform your best, you have to be in the present. Second, you have to have positive, strong thoughts, believing that you can do this, whatever this is. Thoughts as simple as, I can do this. I've got it. We're strong. I'll deliver my best right now. I don't care how you conceive that the statement, but some strong believing thought that says, I've got it. I will do this. No matter how corny that may sound to somebody, know that that overrides all the doubts, fears, worries, and anxieties that get in the way. They can't be there. If I got this, I will do this, is the thought that's there. It's that simple. The third of the five is to recognize that sport has a is about being in control of your composure, to be totally composed, in control of yourself. Now, when I ask people to define composure, they have a hard time doing that sometimes, but they're very easy. It's very easy for them to identify and talk about what losing your composure looks like. So composure really is being just right just right in being in control of yourself. Now, that in control of yourself really is identifying that you're in control of your level of arousal. The level of arousal, how up you are. If you're asleep, you're not very up, you probably can't deliver your best. If you're frenetic, you're probably way over the top, you can't deliver your best. Now, the truth is, that there's not one level of arousal that's right for everybody in every task and every different sport activity. In fact, there's it's specific to each person and their role in, in their sport. So we understand this to say that for a given person with a given task on a given day, with a given set of conditions, there is a given level of arousal that will allow for optimal best performance. Now, that's to say that every person has a level that they need to be at to be able to deliver their best right now in this next situation. And it's their responsibility to get there. And it isn't hard to do. It's This is for kids who love to play. It's as easy to teach kids what's it feel like to be too high. What's it feel to be like too low. And for kids that want to be their very best, 
they'll quickly learn how to dial in, get it just right. From there, uh, con um, concentration would be the, the the fourth of the of the five skills is is concentration, and 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 concentration is no more than finding the information that matters and staying focused on that, staying riveted on that. That there's a lot of information uh, in our perceptual field at all times. And in an athletic competition, there's lots of things there that are relevant and a whole lot of things there that are irrelevant. And our task is to know the difference and find the information that matters, get riveted on that. When we do, the other stuff is gone. So there's no nothing there to be distracting. Find what matters, stay riveted on that. And finally, that we have to understand that all of this is under our own control. And it's a choice, and we can make that choice. And, and that we just choose to take control. Uh, and when we do that, we are exhibiting that we have confidence in ourselves. So the final uh, skill or the final aspect of the skill of focus is to be confident and trusting that we can control those first four, and when we do, we have ourselves ready to deliver our best, that we, not, we are confident that our best will come out now. That's different than confident we'll win or confident that, that we'll get all the outcome we want. Who knows about that? We don't have control of all of that. What we can control is our best, and we can be confident that we can deliver our best right now, this time, every time. Those are the five the five skills. You teach them, you model them, you give lots of experiences to have them, you reward and celebrate when athletes demonstrate them. That makes the others want to be celebrated also. Um, but in the end of the day, the skill of focus is the most fundamental of all sports skills. Most coaches don't teach it because they don't understand that it's a skill. They yell it. They just don't teach it. And here we're, we're able to show uh, this is a simple skill. Coaches teach skills. Teach this skill. Final part of it is the athletes learn. How do they learn? Well, they learn from direct instruction. Teach them. They learn from experiences. Give them experiences and then critique them and help them till they get better and better and better. And finally, modeling and the coach needs to be the model the first and most always present stable their model and the modeling effect is is possibly the most powerful teaching tool we have and so if coaches lose control and lose their focus then athletes will too if the coaches model the skill of focus you're more than a third of the way home Coach, that's awesome. My, my follow-up question was going to be, well, talk to us about how coaches then actually coach this skill. And you went right into it because, well, at the end of the day, you are a pro and you're a coach, right? That's and so that's what you do. do. That's, what, that's what coaches do. They teach skills. They just, they just haven't, most haven't in the past recognized that this is a skill. Right. And, and, it, and it's way easier to teach 
than shooting a jump shot. It's way easier to teach than some fancy ball handling. It's way easier to teach than uh, than a, a backhand return uh, from deep in the corner in tennis. And way so I easier. think I think you know this is an important part too because you always say you know kids meet sport at the coach and so even if it's awesome and and it's a resource to have myself or you or another mental performance consultant or coach come in and and help teach and instruct on these ideas at the end of the day athletes spend way more time with their coach in drills in meeting rooms in different settings and scenarios and so what we mean when we say kids meet sport at the coach is that coaches have to learn each of these fundamental elements of of focus so that within the drill, within the meeting, they can be coaching confidence, concentration, composure, positive self-talk, and being in the present moment, right? And giving feedback, like you said, critiquing and, and offering insights on those elements within the field and scope of play. So for time's sake, Coach, let's switch gears just a little bit and open this up to sort of a broader dialogue around where exactly this model came from. Because part of your life's work, well, not part of, your life's work has been positive of coaching, right? And finding a better way for coaches to coach. And so we've had the opportunity to give positive coaching workshops across the country. And so just share with us out of positive coaching is where this model of mental toughness actually derived from. Share with us why you went on this mission to create a model as an extension or born out of um, the, the model and premise of positive coaching. Uh, wow. Um, well, this is a, this is a, that's a, that's a, that's a big question, uh, but it's a big issue. Um, so, so there are literally hundreds of thousands of coaches who have coached, are still coaching, and in some cases, just getting started into their coaching careers. Uh, but literally hundreds of thousands of, of individuals who would identify as coach. And so with hundreds of thousands of people doing it, there are, there's no one way to coach. There's lots of different models of how people approach the role of coaching. Unfortunately, there are way too many examples of a coaching model that involves screaming, yelling, cursing, threatening, humiliating, demeaning, intimidating, literally bullying uh, athletes as the coach that you just pound and pound and pound and, and drive off the weaklings and, and those, those who survive will succeed mentality. There are too many of those. And unfortunately, uh, lots of them have won a lot of contests and championships, which only then encourages others to think that's how you have to do it. Now, that kind of behavior just flies in the face of the an issue that a lot of that nearly all coaches think is an important issue, and that's the issue of respect. And so, I mean, coaches talk about the importance of respect a lot, and yet they then exhibit these behaviors when it comes to how they approach teaching and coaching, or how they respond when they're frustrated. And so, I had and I had an experience with that kind of a coach. And we won all the games. We were the champions. We had a long winning streak. Won the championship three out of four years. Had a nearly 50-game winning streak in the process. So we won nearly all the time. 
and never ever were um, never heard proud of you, never heard good job. There was always something more that wasn't good enough, and and with a pretty strong, very strong, violent language and threat, uh, humiliation, degradation, demeaning. Um, that just didn't square with everything else that I learned in my life and my home and my family and my church. Um, and, and so I had to question, wh wh why does it have to be like that? Um, and, th and that led me a lot of directions. I was in, I was in a search to find a better way. Uh, I'd had a college coach that was really nice and we couldn't beat anybody. So that added to the appearance that um, SOBs win championships, nice guys finish last. That's what it looked like. I was on a mission to find a better way. And 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 in truth, at the time, I had taken psych one and hated it and thought I'd never take another psychology class as long as I lived and then was forced into it 10 years later. And before I knew it, I had discovered, wow, this is where the answers are. And and so the bottom line truth of the matter is that um, you can be demanding without being demeaning. There's no evidence anywhere that, that, and I mean real evidence, scientific-based evidence, that would say the only, the way to get people to be great is to treat them like garbage, to treat them like crap to drive them, pound them into brilliance. There's no evidence that suggests that. And so, and so in my, I had this wonderful laboratory experience. I had, I was the head track coach at the University of Missouri, coached men and women uh, for 27 years in NCAA Division I track and field. I, I had opportunity to coach conference champions, national champions, world champions, Olympians, Olympic medal winners. Um, I had a chance to coach kids who didn't weren't capable of being successful at that level, but could still add to the quality of our team. So I had athletes that I was coaching every day, and I and they were my laboratory where I could apply things that I knew from my research or from my teaching. I could apply them in the in the in the field. The field experiences gave me topics to to search for better answers for. Uh, and in the end, we found this really isn't hard. It's all about understanding the intention of a coach. In the end of the day, coaching is not about sport. Coaching is about a relationship that one person has with another where the coach's role in the relationship is to share knowledge, understanding, encouragement, instruction, share in such a way that the other will get better. At some point in the future, the other will be better because we coached them into being better. We didn't coach them down, we coached them up. Coaching is not about sport, it's about that relationship that the coach has with the other or others, the team. And so coaching is all about teaching, 
building, believing, caring, sharing, giving, forgiving, expecting, respecting, inspiring. That's what coaching's about. And so, and so, we in positive coaching, we just developed a, a set of principles that would define the the preparation and role and delivery of a coach that made sense and that drew upon the very best scientifically established principles from psychology that 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 would help people understand uh, a motivation that would help people understand concentration and focus that would help people understand relationship building the power of caring and I just yes. want to, like, right here, too, I just want to quick plug. Um, we do have an online positive coaching digital workshop. And so uh, reach out if you're interested in that, amber at sulkingperformance.com, and I can get you hooked up with getting access to that for your for your school, for yourself, for your organization. Um, and then also the Power of Positive Coaching book that we've written that outlines sort of the, the whole philosophy and framework of positive coaching. And I'll put a link to that in the episode notes as well. So that coach, that's a that's a powerful insight on how the model and, and overarching framework of positive coaching has come about. Now, talk to us about the actual mental toughness model. What? How did that come to fruition? When we would do in the schools, when we would do our positive coaching workshops, um, at the appropriate breaks, we would have obviously time for questions and answers. And about the third time that we had a coach ask, I like these ideas, but what do you have for mental toughness? There were two things that became uh, very apparent to me. So coaches would ask, what, what do you have for mental toughness? The first thing that was apparent to me was that in a, in a relatively brief, maybe a half-day seminar or a one-day seminar where we have people, we present to coaches soup to nuts about positive coaching, that, that they were still thinking positive coaching kind of meant soft, gentle, kind, uh, and it, it would work with t-ball, but it wouldn't work with high school baseball. Uh, They were thinking it was soft. The second thing I was realizing was they just haven't had time to assimilate all that they've learned and then see the connections. So it was incumbent on us to address the question, to answer the question. So if we were to then, we, we need to be up front answering the question because coaches would, would be hearing new things about us pr- presenting about positive coaching. They'd be having the question, well, how would this work with this? How would this work with that? How would this work with my team? How would this work with a really tough challenge or, or a championship contest? They would be having that question even if they hadn't had a chance to ask it yet. We needed to give them the answer before they got to ask it. They needed to see that we knew what they were thinking and wondering. So, so 
So I said to my group uh, that, that Dr. Selking was a part of, uh, I said, we need to answer this question, but, but here's the truth here. They're asking for mental toughness. What do we have for mental toughness? And the irony is that um, in the field of psychology, uh, there's no accepted definition. There's no accepted construct titled mental toughness. Uh, some psychologists would say that really doesn't exist. But if I were to ask 50,000 coaches about mental toughness, 49,995 of them would for sure want their athletes to be mentally tough. And I'd be one of those. And so I said to the, my group, they're asking for mental toughness. And what they really want, what coaches really want, is they want their athletes to be able to deliver their very best performance when it's hard to do. Whatever defines hard. Hard might be a tough opponent. Hard might be challenging weather conditions. Hard might be not fully healthy. Hard might be the final championship game. Hard might be on an, on an opponent's home court uh, with a rabid home crowd against us. But whatever hard, hard might be, you led the whole way, and, and with 40 seconds to go in the game, the other team took the lead, and you've got, you've got 40 seconds to go 80 yards. Whatever hard is, when athletes step up and deliver their best and achieve when it's really hard, coaches look at those athletes and go, man, those kids are mentally tough. Mental toughness is what gets described. Performance is what was desired and delivered. Exactly. And so we had to create a model to help them see um, that what is it that leads to athletes being able to be prepared to deliver when it's really hard, thus to demonstrate mental toughness. And so the model that that uh, Dr. Selking is in the process of sharing through these podcasts is um, how we answered the question, what do we have for mental toughness? Everything in this model is provided and, and, and discussed and instructed in positive coaching uh, and our approach to positive coaching, our principles of positive coaching. Uh, and in the end, and this, this for me is the most vibrant point about the, that model that, that is being shared with you, um, that this model not only is the model for mental toughness, but it's really the model for being a highly effective coach. That as a coach, I need to be able to prepare my athletes with all these different skills and knowledges and understandings that are identified in the individual cells within each of the layers, the tiers of the positive coaching model. And for me as a coach to be able to teach my athletes correctly, to, be, to have all these capabilities, 
I have to have the knowledge, the understanding, the expertise as a coach so that what I'm teaching is right, that, it, that, it's, that it's accurate, that, it's, that I have the right understandings. And so it says to me as a coach, I need to fill my own knowledge bank. I need to prepare myself in all these different areas so that I can be an effective, successful coach of my athletes. And so for me, this wasn't the intention when we started, but as it came together and we shared it and presented it in a a number of of different uh, settings, including the video that Dr. Selking and Dr. Ivy and I have just completed, um, we, we have come to the realization of this is, in my opinion, the right, most effective model for coach development, for coach preparation, for coach education. And I'm hoping that, that you that are in Dr. Selking's audience see that and not only engage in um, your own education, but share it and even demand it of those you work with. So it's, it's bigger than just mental toughness. It's bigger than just preparing your athletes. It's also the model for preparing yourself to be a highly effective and successful coach. Wow, that was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Coach. It has been an honor and a blessing to have you here with us. And and again, I'm over here taking notes, scribbling things down, learning from you still. So thank you for, for sharing your insights. And I know that our listeners um, were just able to glean a lot from that. Any final thoughts or comments you want to share before we sign off here today with everyone? I know you could go on for another 30 minutes, but... <laughs> Or three hours. Or three hours or 30 hours. We're all pretty good at that. That's what Dr. Ivy and I said. Man, we hung up after that and we're like, shoot, we could keep talking for the next couple hours on all this stuff. It gets us jacked up still just having the opportunity to get together and, and talk. But any final farewells or party, yeah, party yeah, ideas? You know, actually, um, you know, the uh, today, the, and here we are recording this. And we've just had a really hard week and weekend in our country um, with bombs sent in the mail and uh, shootings again now in a in a in a place of worship and and we have a political system that's just fighting, fighting, fighting all the time. Uh, we're being bombarded with with negative things. Uh, and we certainly have a, a fractured, troubled nature of life right now. But you know what? There are anything in our lives more important to us than our kids. And, and it's important that we win for the future of our kids. And whether, it's, whether my work has been in positive coaching or my own coaching, my message has always been winning kids with sport. And why winning kids with sport? Because we can. And there is, a, um, there is not a more powerful activity or entity in, in the entire uh, fabric of our society than kids playing sport. But kids meet sport at the coach. 
And so the coach can make or break that experience. The coach can win in the life of every kid and not break the life of a kid, but win in the life of the kid. And that's, that's why I did what I did, teach what I teach, created the positive coaching, and that's why you have your podcast, so that we can share with others who want to be winners of kids with sport and encourage them to go do that. That's a little bit corny. You may have, you may want to enter me quite a little edit me quite a little bit there, but that's the thought. Winning kids with sport. No, not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, you hit it right on the head. This is what this is all about, is making individuals better so that we can make the lives of those that we have the opportunity to lead, love, and serve better in return. And and that's the heart and the the model of the fabric behind positive coaching and, and the fabric behind you know why I do what I do, why you do what you do, and the hope to inspire and encourage others to do the same. So I couldn't think of a better way to sign off than that. So thanks for sharing, Coach. It, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, Thank you so much for your time and for your generosity and just sharing of your wisdom and perspectives on life through your experiences and expertise. So thank you for being with us again, Dr. Rick McGuire, uh, phoning in from Columbia, Missouri. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you were able to take a lot from it. If you want to contact me directly, feel free to reach out, amber at selkingperformance.com. We're also on all the social media platforms, Instagram at Selking Performance, Facebook at Selking Performance Group, and on Twitter at Champ Mindsets. And Positive Coaching is on Twitter at uh, Mizzou Positive Coach. And um, Dr. Rick's website is drrickmaguire.com. Is that correct, Coach? Yep. Okay, so he, all of his books and DVDs and, and more information about him and his background are there. Again, www.drrickmaguire.com. Thank you again for being with us. And again, from the locker room to the boardroom, I just want to challenge and encourage you to continue building your championship mindset. Brightview Medical is a patient-oriented medical healthcare organization with goals to improve the healthcare system by combining treatment and prevention methods to provide solutions that every patient can understand. By building their model of care on state-of-the-art imaging equipment, coupled with blood, tissue, and urine analysis, they are able to establish where you are on the wellness spectrum. Once you are a patient, their team is able to monitor your health year after year or as needed. They are currently planning on operating over 112 locations starting in every major NFL city. They are proudly new partners with the NFL Alumni Association to help bring their elevated level of care to former NFL players, their families, and everyone who is tired of the broken healthcare system in place today. To learn more about Brightview Medical, check out their website at www.brightviewmedical.com. 